Welcome to Bitch Talk Booze and Interviews straight from the heart of San Francisco. I'm Erin, that's Char. Hello. You can find us at bitchtalkpodcast.com where all our socials live and also episodes and our beautiful photos. Uh, you can also find us, <laughs> I, you, you didn't know what I was going to say. You can also find us at bff.fm every Monday morning from 530 to 6. Uh, you can also find us on Sunday, September 8th at Cobb's Comedy Club hosting our own event for fuck's sake. It's called Bitch Talk Presents Really Funny Comedians Who Happen to Be Women. Uh, the confirmed comedians we have so far are Irene Tu, former guest on the show, Natasha Muse, Sandy Steck, and it's going to be hosted by Chelsea Bierce. So grab your tickets at CobbsComedy.com. Again, that's Sunday, September 8th. Support your bitches. Check us out on the socials, because if you go to the socials, we're giving away some tickets. So, um... Pay attention to us. So you can get uh, a free show on a Sunday night in the city. Yeah. What? Just I'm because super you excited because, you know, it's, first of all, it's like, who doesn't want their name on the marquee? That's right. And uh, I already forgot about that. So far, everyone on this list, and, you know, maybe there's some surprises. Uh, we've seen their comedy, and they are hilarious. Yeah. I'm, anyways. Um, so please grab your tickets uh, again at CobbsComedy.com. It's Sunday, September 8th. Also look at our socials because we'll be doing giveaways there as well. So we are taking a little hiatus in August because we deserve it. and We're we, busy, people. We're busy, but also <laughs> I don't think we've ever take, taken a long hiatus. We just haven't. Has It's it's been a while. And even then, I don't think, I don't know how much of a, well, it's kind of a hiatus, but there's, you know, we're still giving you new material because, you know, we're attaching you know these little mini basics and you know redoing the inf- the intros before we uh we send them out to you right we're, we're refreshing them and we're, we're we're digging a little deep so it's if you if you're new this is going to be stuff you've never heard before you are probably new so you haven't heard these amazing interviews with really famous people <laughs> and this one's a good one this one was one of our first big gets it was, and we're like, really? Are you sure you want us there? Cool. <laughs> we will be there early and uh, happy. But uh, this one, we're going back to, man, uh, late 2017. It's uh, an interview with Robert Pattinson. You may have heard of him. And the Softy Brothers um, with a, with our friend Dana from Radio Rehab. We called this Bitch Rehab. And we were talking to the guys about a, a, a little, it was really a little film called Good Time Movie. And um, I wanted to bring this back uh, into our into our realm because I just read not too long ago that the new Batman director, Matt Reeves, says he was influenced um, about Robert Pattinson being Batman based on this film. So I was like, oh, shit. Well, we interviewed him for that film, and it's very fucking topical, and I'm sure people have feelings about a new Batman. That that movie was so good. It was really good. If you can find it, I mean, we're not fucking with you. Like, it was a really, really well-done, interesting film. I wish it became, you know, it was on people's radar a little bit more, Mm -hmm. but it was so good. It's really well done, and it's one of those uh, roles where I think Robert Pattinson was just like, I'm going to fucking do this. I don't care if it's an indie film. I need to spread my wings and fly, and he did. And now he's, literally, now he's going to be Batman. You're welcome. So uh, sit back, relax, listen to Robert Pattinson curse a little bit, uh, and the Softy Brothers curse, which is really fun. That's just how we started off. And we'll see you on the other side. Hey guys, welcome to Bitch Rehab. I'm Aaron. That's uh, Angela. What up? 
Dana. Hi. <laughs> and Char, of course. What's going on today? <laughs> you awake? No, I'm just, uh, this is, uh, this is quite a day. It's already a day, and guys, and it's it not is. even 10 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> we are crouched in, in a, a crowd in a corner at the Ritz Hotel. Yes. As you do. Whispering as one does. <laughs> it's like this is the apocalypse, but it's not. Like, this is what would happen. And this we'll is live where we'll podcast be. it. Yeah. Hashtag blessed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag humble brag. <laughs> Stupid. So I and guess we should do like a real reset of uh, of this is a oh, special edition. It is a special edition, you guys. It's bitch talk coupled with radio rehab, and we just got out of a pretty pretty cool interview. I don't yeah, know. really cool. It was probably one of the coolest. We could talk. We could have talked for a lot longer for sure. Oh my god! Yeah, I could have hung out with them. That was great. It was what Josh and Ben Softy, yeah. the directors, and one of them acted in the movie Good Time with Robert Pattinson, who we also who? just interviewed. I know oh. you wouldn't know we interviewed him because <laughs> there's no picture, but yeah, it really did happen, guys. <laughs> it did happen. You'll hear his voice. You'll hear his voice. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's the British ones. We <laughs> all saw Good Time. Uh, we we're sucked in. Out, uh, Right off the bat. Yeah. Yep. And um, I still am kind of speechless about the film because I wasn't sure what to expect. So then we all walked out. We're like looking at each other. Yeah, yeah. It was it was good. It was good. And the music and, and this and that. And then you forget it's Robert Pattinson, which is great because right. that's, I think, what they wanted. That's what he wanted. Mm-hmm. And he gave such a great performance that... All of oh, the yeah. performances are yes. ridiculous in the film. He did, yeah. Um, ben, who was one of the directors, mm. his acting oh. job was amazing. He was crying I, from the first five minutes. No, I, I wanted I, to mention it, but I didn't know how to. But when we walked out of the film, I'm like, is he really deaf? Is he challenged? I, I thought wasn't so sure. too. I'm like, yeah. wow, this guy's got it all. And I actually, the so opposite. Too. He's so energetic in yeah. real life. Yeah. I was yeah. like, whoa, how did you even channel this character? It right. Was insane. Well, that's what's interesting is I think that what they did was they interviewed a lot of actually um mentally challenged people and it was but what ended up happening is that ben learned from the interviews with those people and decided to do the role himself i wish we asked we just didn't have yeah we needed a lot of time we only had 15 minutes and there was three of us and three of them right right (laughs) yeah yeah but he really uh i mean i thought he was he did it well yeah (laughs) he did great this Mm -hmm. is and then i didn't know how to compliment him on that like i know right i did exactly that's what i was thinking too how do you compliment someone (laughs) is it it backhanded complimenting (laughs) you do a great job surprisingly (laughs) surprisingly this is yeah one of my more favorite movies of the year The, the, the more i think about it i mean getting sucked into it even though it is one of those you know like grit your teeth cringe type movies where you're mm-hmm. just like oh my god i can't yes. believe that's happening it's or, oh chaos my god. like yeah it, it, it's just like it just you know progressively going holy shit and but then i remember watching like in while i was watching i was like dude this is like it's just it's got me it's completely just completely just pulled me in and yanked me in and mm-hmm. i was loving it i was like enjoying the ride and yeah exactly it takes a while to mm-hmm. soak it all in afterwards because like you're they did such a great job of like at times you're repulsed and sympathetic at the same time like both of those exactly. emotions and i'm like how am i feeling both of those things right now it's crazy and like that wouldn't happen but maybe it would like like the reformed criminal in me was loving every minute of that. <laughs> I was like, because it really was like you live moment to moment and it's not so black and reality. white the, these actions are not black and white at any point it could end it like at any point his run could end the cops could could get him at any point in the mm-hmm. movie and it just ends the way it ends and ultimately he's doing these sh- some shitty things to save his brother and it's so but, it's, it, yeah I, I don't know the other part of it you know not as a spoiler alert but sort of a spoiler uh 
he was sh- I mean he was shitty and brought his mentally challenged deaf brother back to the movie <laughs> I mean go see it yeah definitely go see <laughs> I mean, it yeah definitely uh, it's definitely worth your time to to go out and check out this movie and see definitely see Robert Pattinson mm-hmm. in a different light mm-hmm. Jennifer Jason Lee. Je- oh, Jennifer oh, Jason oh, Lee. oh my yeah. god that's Who, a great character uh, and I felt like I told Angela like, so, I felt like I've known someone like her in my life which made me cringe even more me too you know, mm-hmm. just like uh, me too like several people and, yes mm-hmm. like too old to be living with their mom and screaming at her because yes. the mom will give her money, money. Mm-hmm. yes yeah, yeah. <laughs> totally she was something yeah, yeah. she was no. really good yeah. Acting, the acting, the characters, and the music, everything. It was just so on point. It was just it was just a really great movie. And you see exactly Robert Pattinson, Jennifer Jason Lee, uh, who you haven't seen in a while. Like I just well, keep hateful eight, but that's the last time we saw her. That's that was right. a while ago. That, that was, was brutal too. And that yeah. was a great character as well. Mm-hmm. And then and then these guys. Oh, the the softies, <laughs> the softies. <laughs> they, they, They're not so soft. The yeah, yeah, the film is anything but soft. Yeah. yeah. No, yeah, it was hardcore, and I love the whole East Coast vibe of it. And eighties vibe, like late seventies, early eighties. Reminded me of like Midnight Run and Blade yes. Runner. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Like it had that Dog Day Afternoon. Yeah. yeah. Yep. I loved it. Yep. Yeah, and talking to them was a pleasure. So. Yeah, they I think, were really nice. I think you'll one enjoy hearing this interview. Yeah. Well, I was going to say one more question, or four more questions I had was, I, I read in the press notes that they didn't have permits for a lot of their shoots. That's what I wanted to talk about. So yeah. they were just kind of like all holding hands in her, like running and gunning their shots. Like blocking the, the streets during a chase wow. scene in New York. I'm like, that's intense. I'd like to see a video of that. Mm-hmm. Me too. So I thought that was rad. I, I wanted to know how Robert Pattinson felt about that kind of shooting. Um, and then, did you read about Ray, the guy who played Ray, and that he oh, was in yeah. Rikers? He was in so prison. He's, yeah, he's he's oh, a jail yeah. guy. I mean, I hate. Yeah. To, I'm like, well, that's this actually, isn't a spoiler yeah. alert, but that guy, like, a lot of the story he was telling when he's in the back of the cab, was improv. It, it had it was based on something that happened to him. That story, they didn't write that right. And the the softies paid when he came out of Rikers. By the way. They paid for um, acting classes for him. Oh, for him. my God. Just to refine, you know, him as an actor. And, but the, and the character of Ray. I mean, he was right. the comedic relief, but he was also, he added so much to the film. He was amazing. Yeah. So, yeah. I don't know. This film is... It's yeah, I could have kept talking. Good. Yeah, we could... We are I know, and I don't want to give too to much them, stuff not away. Not to each other. Right. Anyway. So, without further ado, here's our interview with these awesome people. It's uh, Ben and Josh Softy, directors of the movie Good Time, and Robert Pattinson, who's acting in it. So a round table? No. Yeah. This is a po- oh, we did different shows. Right. This uh, is a podcasting round table. Yeah. Oh, okay. very cool. So you can say whatever the hell you want. <laughs> we can curse? Yes. Fuck we shit, cocksucker, it. pussy gun. Yes. <laughs> so you gotta do the seven dirty words. Don't be confused. Start with don't be confused. Don't be confused. Don't be confused, cocksucker, motherfucker. It's just gonna make it worse for me. Pussy shit cunt. Don't be confused. Ooh, was cunt one of the seven no, like words? Kind of goes. Kind of flows. Oh. It might. It might not have confused. been. Don't be confused. Pussy shit cunt. Pussy shit cunt. Don't be confused. Pussy shit. Pussy shit. Pussy shit. It might have been. But I remember that he said cocksucker. Wait, 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 wait. Motherfucker is a double, so he knocked that motherfucker out. Mother is not one of the daddy words. Motherfucker is. But motherfucker is a double. It's technically of one fuck. word, right? Yeah, so he's right. motherfucker's one so he word. Knocked it out, but then the the, the rhythm was out. So he put because he said motherfucker tits, motherfucker tits. He said you need to have two <laughs> two multisyllabic words in there. 
It's very funny. George Carlin. I like when oh, I like George when Carlin. I like when women call other women son of a bitch. <clears throat> Ooh, oh. we'll start doing that. We'll start yeah. doing that. I like that. Son All of right. a bitch. <laughs> Duly I noted. I like to call women bastards because yeah. that's great. Yeah. No, you dumb bastard. Yeah. <laughs> We're good. Are we good? Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is this is live. Okay. Dana, go ahead. <laughs> no, it's not. Oh. It's not. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> not to scare you. That's how we open. I like yeah. calling women like bastards. Yeah. 300 <laughs> CC violations. Yeah, yeah. it's fine. It's fine. Okay, so uh, first of all, I just want to say thank you guys for the movie. I loved it very much. When I walked into the theater, I'm really big on soundtracks and music. And when I walked in the theater, I was like, what is this music? I have to get this soundtrack. Because I thought it was like New American Orchestra. <laughs> or like, that's who did Blade Runner, I think. Yes. It was like, because that's what it reminded me of. I, the soundtrack was, I didn't realize that was the music for the movie. And it was so intense that it kept me on edge the whole movie. I loved it. How did you come to work with them? It's funny you mentioned Vangelis, Vangelis. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he, he was literally, you know, he was like a god in our, in our, um, in our studio when we were doing the soundtrack. I mean, it was, you know, no one ever can come close to him. But yeah, one tricks Boy Never, uh, OPN, he was a big fan of his. And, uh, you know, I always think that his music was like soundtracks to movies that don't exist. And, uh, you know, I wanted to, you know, do something. We wanted to create a soundtrack that was like a fever within the movie that constantly wanted to break. And, and the audience is kind of feeling this presence of this. It's basically another character in the movie. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, I just I just saw Dunkirk for the a uh, mm -hmm. uh, few weeks ago and the movie starts with the ticking, you know, and we, we have actually one track in our movie that has a ticking in it. Uh, it's our little nod to the movie After Hours, actually. Uh, the, the, the track is called uh, Romance Apocalypse on the soundtrack due out August 11th by Warp Records. Uh, I'll be a shill for them. I don't care. Uh, I, I, listen to, I listen to the soundtrack all the time. Actually, I like listen to the soundtrack. I hate flying more than anything. So I was like, I'm going to put the soundtrack on before I start flying. And this movie, putting the soundtrack on, I was just like, oh, my God, I have to break out of this airplane. What is fun is to listen to the soundtrack of Running Man while you're about to get on a plane. That's really <laughs> oh, cool. yeah. Faltemeyer was another mood. big guy for us in the, in the studio when we were recording the soundtrack. But the soundtrack, we went crazy. Every little thing had a sound. And I know. Yeah. I noticed that. Yeah. It, 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 one thing that's very important is, is we didn't want to just kind of slap music on top of the image. You know, the two had to work together. So you, one couldn't be pulling extra weight or else it feels phony or false. But because the two, once the image and the music kind of molded together, you can't take them apart. You know, they became a new thing. And just, yeah, yeah, it was perfect. And I just wanted to say, so in the end, I'm like, Sounds like Iggy Pop. It can't be. It's not Iggy Pop. And then it was Iggy Pop. Yeah. That's how, how we did, thought. Also. Who did he write that? Yeah, he did. I mean, that was. I mean, it was insane. Uh, Dan, we we had tried all these different other pieces of music. We re I wrote the movie with the ending, writing. You know, David Bowie's Bewley Brothers, mm -hmm. and I was like, let's put this in. And then David Bowie died while we were writing. And it was like, oh god, this is crazy. And then, you know, we we did this whole score, and then. We, we kept trying these other pieces of music and we realized like we can't have this incredible score and not have something bespoke at the end. So Dan's like, let me write some music. So he wrote that music and then he's like, oh, I want to put some vocals on top. And we all agreed. And then it's difficult because there's a scene at, underneath the ending uh, mm -hmm. song. And uh, he was like, uh, who do you guys want to try for vocals? And I was like, I don't know. And I threw out some names and he threw out Iggy Pop. And I was like, okay, yeah. How about Frank Sinatra? Like it's the most <laughs> right. ridiculous, ridiculous thing for him to suggest. And He's like, no, 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 let's show the movie to Iggy Pop. I can get to his manager, and if he likes the movie, he'll want to do it. And Iggy loved the movie, and, and um, I had 
no idea. All I knew is that he liked the movie and that he wanted to do this song, but we had no idea what he actually thought, the nuances of his thought. And we just went into the studio and he's like, guys, I wrote some music. I'm going to sing it. And then I did some spoken word stuff. And basically it was like reading a live review by like your favorite artist of your movie. And he and his interpretation of the film was so beautiful because he saw the film from both Connie's point of view and Nick's point of view. That's why he wrote The Pure and the Damned are one. And, and like, honestly, it was he's the king of termite art. And our movie, I consider, is very much a piece of termite art. You know, it's like entertainment first. And then, you know, the, the art kind of seeps in and you start to understand and ask yourselves like weird reflection of our times right now. So <laughs> I think that he he really blessed this movie with like a, an incredible, incredible song. And if there's any justice to the Academy, he's going to get it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, I agree. Yeah. I agree. Thank you. I just want to see him perform that on like, yeah. me too. Oh, no kidding. With, too, I can with listen OPN. to it all day. Yeah. And if you ever seen a one out tricks point never show, they're really insane. So I just want to see like Dan in his weird cloak. <laughs> with Iggy singing. I can see that happening. Oh, I, it's going to happen. Let's just say it now. Let's just, <laughs> just say it. It's happening happen. now. And so it is. Yeah, and so it is. Uh, I guess my question is about the opening scene of the film. Uh, did you guys intend for it to be that quiet and for Connie just to come in and then start the film right away? Because we were, when we walked out of the film, we, lo we looked at each other, we were like, that first scene, holy <laughs> shit. Yeah, it just sucks you yeah. in. From I'll, I'll let them talk about the actual like nuances of the scene, but I we, we, co we constructed the character you know, Rob approached us to do this movie right. and, and mm -hmm. we wanted to, you know, and we built it just for him and, and with him in a way, you know, we were constantly bouncing things off of him, but we wanted to introduce Connie in a very heroic fashion. Mm -hmm. We also wanted Connie to be like this guy who comes into our world. Like we were making these kind of more hybrid films where, where things were unbelievably realistic, like almost to a perversion. And we wanted it to be like Connie, a.k.a. Rob, has just come into our world and just grabbed it by its ears, its horns, and just like reared it in this crazy direction. And conceptually, we wanted to do something like that and introduce Rob, you know, as almost like a guy who's just jumped into this movie. Into well, you this guys world. teased us. He's, you know, sitting there crying, Nick. And we're about to cry. Yeah. And all oh, of a sudden, no, Connie comes to, and we're yeah. like, oh, no, we're not. Yeah. Okay, okay, no. Yeah. It's funny as well, because we I remember when we were shooting that scene, and it was, we hadn't entirely established what the character was going to be. I mean, up until the first day, I remember just being in a total state of panic. Like, I mean, even though we spent like three months like working on it, we've done tons and tons and tons of work on it. <laughs> but then your section of the scene took like slightly longer than I thought it was going to take. And then the power kept going out in the hospital where we're shooting. And I'd like, <laughs> it's basically, I mean, I always kind of always thought of Connie that he's basically had some kind of nervous breakdown like well, before. Yeah, the, he's got the, something going the, on. <laughs> the power was going out on its own or were you guys just messing no, with him to oh. build? We were messing with him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wish I, we and were. I'd kind of, I'd psych myself up to just the point of just like being in the total like red mist. And uh, and then they kept saying, yeah, well, it's going to be another hour or whatever. So I was oh. just pacing up and down this <laughs> corridor for about four hours before I actually walked into the room. <laughs> so it's kind of, yeah. And then kind of had to maintain that energy for the next seven weeks. I just remember seeing. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I guess I like five minutes. Yeah. No, I remember weeks. seeing Rob running back and forth in like a hallway. I would be sitting in a room working on something like a, tweaking the scene. And I would just see him like sprinting down the <laughs> hallway. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, it, I guess it is. It is, it's important though because what what's happening is, is in that scene you're kind of we're slowly kind of cranking this this machine and it's it's building up kind of this kinetic energy that you don't really know what's happening and you're 
you're you're watching this guy Nick feel things he doesn't want to feel. He's being prodded. Mm-hmm. He's being pushed. And right from the beginning, you're kind of in this guy's head, and he doesn't want you there. And it's a very uncomfortable place to be. And but here's this guy Peter pushing and pushing and pushing. And then you have Connie come in. And what I love about it is, yeah, it's, originally it was like, okay, it's like we were like Rob rushed into our lives and kind of opens the door and takes us on this journey. But in this movie, it's it's not it's not Rob that opens the door; it's Connie that mm-hmm. opens the door, and you really mm-hmm. feel that. And then what was a real breakthrough for for I guess me and Rob was in that elevator, you know, where it we were shooting in the, in the it had to really be this intense emotional scene, and like he kisses me, and he we got really close, and it was it was very special, you know, it was a real moment of just kind of nakedness for the two of us, where we were just kind of wa- being in this emotional place. And Nick doesn't want to feel any emotions, and it was just a special. Remember, a this special was the feeling. first day of shooting. Yeah. that was day one. We decided to shoot this stuff, and and Peter, who plays the psychiatrist, right. is a really really sweet guy. But in reality, he was a former public defender and a criminal lawyer. He right. represents you know low end criminals, you know some high profile criminals. But he you know he really knows this world of municipal, bureaucratic, institutionalized New York. Mm-hmm. And America at large, he knows it really well. And when we talked, he would ask me all the time, he goes, "Is my character evil?" And I would say, "Depends on who you ask." Yeah. You know, like <laughs> right. you can. Which side you of know, the definitely sees him as mm-hmm. evil. Nick doesn't like being with him, but society, a lot of people in society, do see you know see this man as as someone who means well. He's he might be a part of the system. But he's actually part of the system who has a heart. You know, there are people you come across that always blow my mind. Like the woman who's in the jail sequence who plays Nick's lawyer. Mm -hmm. She's an actual public defender. And we were blown away by her compassion as well. Wow. So, yeah. There's a lot of people in the movie where we pulled directly from the real occupation. uh, Where they, you know, where they're just bringing like in the jail. Street casting, Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, We're bringing like the real former commissioner of jails in to play as a correctional officer. We're bringing, you know major high-ranking bloods to play inmates in in uh you know in the in the day room and you know new york nypd cops you right know, we're oh doing yeah that throughout and, and the talia right her name is talia, talia. Yeah, talia. Yeah. yeah she's wow. incredible yeah. incredible i mean she would oh. just you ask for open casting <laughs> yeah. and she's like hey well then we got like six seven hundred people shut up when we were like yeah, let's yeah. do an open cast she said the oh yeah she said she said right before she went she's like i'm gonna wash my face slay my dragon <laughs> and then go out the door that's she went literally came to the open casting and Every rehearsal, she was determined to get the part, but we didn't. Of course, yeah. but that's just her wow. attitude. Right? You know, yeah. Just like I'm gonna go and I'm gonna get this. But yeah, slay my dragon. Like that. Yeah. Was like, <laughs> she was like, she wasn't gonna go. Well, we, she wasn't gonna do it. Right. We, <laughs> which we which kept, dragon are you slaying? We kept yeah. we kept bringing her back. Like she she showed up and she was originally like we wanted to maybe cast someone who was over the age of 18 for the sake of prag you know because we're just shooting such right. long hours and you there's a lot of child laws in new york so you can't shoot out a certain amount of hours so and so she was younger than that so we were like shoot man how are we gonna how like but she was so good and like her interview we don't audition people like give them lines we basically interview people and our casting director held this interview with her and she just was incredible she also also postured that she didn't give a shit about anything really <laughs> she was just kind of like this is my life i'm tough i'm doing my thing she was on on, on the stairs at the top of the stairs at can on facetime to her cousin but she like postured that she had no idea who rob was turns out she was a massive twilight fan so it was oh, like, but she's playing it cool yeah, yeah like, in her dragon yeah right? exactly and she really was she she's incredible because like 
<laughs> in in all of our auditions, we would do these improvised kind of uh, tests, and she was always incredible through improv. But then once we started giving her lines, like I think she can go on to be a huge Disney actress, like because she her instincts when she has lines are to play things very traditionally and conventionally. Mm. And and like, but then we would try to break that down. So it was interesting. So she was like, kind of like a reverse first timer. She was like, had this professionalism to her, and we constantly had to knock it down and get her to be because she's so good in the movie. She yes. really yeah. holds the, her own. Yeah, what's, the authenticity. We really believe of, that she wants to break free. She could be a spinoff character. But what's what's awesome. what, what was yeah. amazing about her was she would always see what Crystal would do and reflect it on herself. She's like, I would never do that, but Crystal would do that, but. She, Knowing what she would do and knowing what the character wouldn't do allowed her to play it with a very real, real mentality because she was aware of certain limitations that she would have, or do, and this character would just want to get out of this house. You know, she's like, I wouldn't. She's like, yeah, right. I would go on like out on the night with this white guy out in the middle of. The street. You know, she would never do that. <laughs> Why she's like, not? But, but she's like, but now I look at this character and she's stuck in this house with this grandmother and this person. She's like, I don't want to be here. So she's like, I'll go outside. But. To the differentiation she was able to make, it was it was important. Not for a spoiler alert for our fans, of course, but I have to ask the makeout scene between Connie and Crystal. I mean, was that planned or was it on the spot? He's <laughs> got to no, distract. You know? I mean, that's a very written moment because okay. he's. Well, I was yeah. like, uh, yeah, you're, uh, I don't know. you're basically uncomfortable throughout yeah. the entire yeah, film, right? Yeah, I was right? very uncomfortable. Then it was just like, so. oh, it's a different. Well, yeah. he, has to, he has to distract. <laughs> it's pure pragmatism. You I know? Think, yeah, but I think also there's, there's there's levels of Connie as a character where you kind of you he's doing something wrong mm -hmm. and you're watching him going, but like, oh well, he sort of doesn't seem like that bad. But you're still sympathetic, yeah. He's testing your your the levels of your. Morality. Acceptance, acceptance, right. morality. I mean, it gets kind of worse and worse, and it's kind of you're you're kind of going with someone, and you're like, oh, am I uh, complicit now? <laughs> like, um, I think that I think that Connie, like when he's sitting there prior to that scene, there's a scene where he's watching her interact with her grandmother, mm -hmm. and I think he feels an insane deep empathy for this girl, Crystal, because he's like. Oh, I had an immigrant grandmother who was always on my case, and I hated it. And all I wanted to do is get out of here. So there's that moment where he kind of feels like there's a connection, and they do connect on the couch. Yeah, I mean, there was also there was a much longer scene initially where it's like, what I like, I, I really wanted to make the whole thing. He's completely in love with her. He falls in love with her, and the thing. I mean, that's when they're sitting when they're sitting at like, like I think all these parts of the movie where he seems like he's sort of being manipulated or whatever. I don't think in his head he's being manipulative. It's literally like, you're, I mean, obviously he kind of doesn't want her to watch the TV. <laughs> but, like, <laughs> but like, there, there's this kind of weird line where he can't really tell if he's lying or can't really tell what his intentions are. 100%. Yeah. And like, it's just so kind of forward momentum. Um, but yeah, yeah, we had this really long scene where he's talking about his, he's basically the, the only person he initially confided in was was Crystal, mm -hmm. um, and really wanted her to believe that he's some kind of sort of, he basically can see the future. And see with her? Yeah. And oh. see <laughs> wow. Um, but, uh, <laughs> I mean, then when he sits there and tells her in the car, he gives her that speech, like, our, my this night as messed up as fucked up as it's been I feel like it's tied to my purpose and now you yes. are some part of mm -hmm. that purpose he means it 
Yeah, yeah, he does mean it. He really does mean it. But then he'll turn around and say, I mean, I take a shit in that guy's house. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I'm like, does he mean it or he's not? Take a shit. I know. Yeah. Always, or he a, just wanted a burger. It's the yeah, I don't burger. know. Be a good girl. Yeah. The speed at which he moves, you know, you don't know. It's like you really don't it's have the time. one of the my time. favorite scenes in the movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And when we were shooting it, it was like when we talked to when we talked about the scene in the beginning, we talked about it like being like this teen romance all of a sudden, like this car in the suburbs and late at yes, night. And yeah. you're talking about the future and the stars and reincarnation with the dogs. And there was there know, was just, one. I remember there was one take where we said to 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 Rob, like when you say hello, like ba- barely be audible. And it was just like <laughs> you, I just remember like it just registered on the microphone where he was like. <laughs> but it was like this. I mean, he's a really creepy guy. I mean, there's, there's a lot of it. There's a lot of, a lot of creepiness. To it. <laughs> it was like I don't know how you were able to get your voice that. I know. Low. I don't believe it either. I, I remember looking over at Benny, who's you know, running the boom, and he was just like, I look at him, and he goes, a long. You wait. You gave it the most pregnant pause I've ever seen. Like, where Chris Talia was almost looking at him, like, when are you going to start this this dialogue? And then he just looks at her. You stare at her for a long time. You just go. Oh. <laughs> See, but what's funny is none of the, that's not in the movie, but it's felt in the scene. You know, when he closes that, when uh, Ray closes the door and they're kind of seeing that pause is felt. All the stuff ends up not necessarily being in the film, but being in the film and its texture and its in emotions. So. And we're getting the we're getting the finger guys literally so uh, yeah we're not giving you the finger just to be clear we're being flipped off yeah. Yeah. these guys <laughs> thanks for your time great thank movie you. yeah thanks thank you. That was uh, megastar Robert Pattinson with the Softy Brothers from the film Good Time. Uh, this That was late 2017, and uh, again, now Robert Pattinson's going to be Batman, so he got the bitch talk bump. You're welcome. Uh, you can find us at bitchtalkpodcast.com. You can also find us at bff.fm. You can also find our Sunday, September 8th event. Bitch Talk presents really funny comedians who happen to be women at cobscomedy.com. And we'll see you later. Bitch, please.